Let us worship God. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us, and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of thy grace and mercy hast renewed thy mercies unto us day after day, we come into thy presence in these troubled times to rejoice that we are in thy hands, that thy purpose for us is altogether holy, altogether righteous, altogether merciful. Give us grace to walk in the face of all discouragements, in the serene confidence of thy grace and government, to know that thou art God and not men, not civil authorities, nor any pretenders to powers. Make us truly joyful in thee and in thy kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. Our scripture is Numbers 23. Verses 1 through 30. Numbers 23. 1 through 30. And our subject, Balaam's Prophecies. <clears throat> and Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by the burnt offering, and I will go. Peradventure the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went to an high place. And God made, met Balaam, and he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars. And I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and said, Balak the king of Moab hath brought me from Aram, out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people that shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, and the number of the fourth part of Israel, let me die the death of the righteous, and my, let my last end be like his. And Balak said unto Balaam, 
What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee, and with me, with me to another place, from whence thou mayest see them. Thou shalt see but the uttermost, utmost part of them, and shalt not see them all, and curse me them from thence. And he brought him into the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And he said unto Balak, Stand here by the burnt offering, while I meet the Lord yonder. And the Lord met Balak, and put a word in his mouth, and said, Go again unto Balak, and say thus, and when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab with him, and Balak said unto him, What hast the Lord spoken? And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of an unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, Neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion, and lift up themselves as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. And Balak said unto Balaam, Neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Told not I thee, saying, All that the Lord speaketh that I must do? And Balak said unto Balaam, Come, I pray thee, I will bring thee unto another place. For adventure it may please God that thou mayest curse me them from thence. And Balak brought Balaam unto the top of Peor that looketh towards Jeshiramun. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me seven bullocks and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had said, and offered a bullock and a ram upon every altar. Balaam's purposes were devious, and God knew that Balaam hoped to get great gain by cursing Israel. Israel saw itself as a nation, but in verse 9, Balaam declares, inspired of God, Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. In 1 Samuel 8, 5, the elders of Israel, all of them, confronted Israel, Samuel, not with a demand for reform and for the removal of Samuel's corrupt sons from office, but with a desire to be like all the nations. In the U.S. also, foreign religious and political practices were steadily adopted to make the United States like other nations. 
Although the Constitution, for example, studiously and totally avoided the word sovereign and sovereignty, believing, as John Quincy Adams declared with grief on the 50th anniversary of the Constitution, rather in the sovereignty of God, the courts now routinely assert the sovereignty of the federal government a subject never mentioned in the Constitution. Here Balaam finds himself declaring that Israel is not to be considered a nation. They are an elect and a chosen people comparable to the church after the resurrection and the ascension. Now Balaam had no desire to bless Israel. There was no money in displeasing Balak. God, however, used him against his will to speak as his prophet. In some degree, this ability to speak beyond ourselves is not entirely uncommon, although not in the same inspired and infallible sense. I've known persons who are normally fearful and unable to stand up to anyone, suddenly turn eloquent and make a mighty witness. Some years ago, a woman faced with a difficult situation, and sure she would be tongue-tied before the court, amazed herself by testifying with devastating clarity and beyond her normal powers. Instead of timidity, she was clear, bold, and forthright, and startled by her own testimony. Only when it was over and she was on the hall leaving did she begin to shake from head to foot, amazed at what she had done. The Lord sometimes blesses us with powers beyond ourselves. In Balaam's case, he went through the form of satisfying God by ordering, ordering seven altars to be built and seven oxen and seven rams sacrificed. The Lord confronted Balaam and put prophetic words in his mouth. The first prophecy is in verses 7 through 10. He declares that he cannot curse whom God has not cursed nor defied. He sees Israel not merely as a vast encampment before him, but as the elect of God, past, present, and future. And he declares, Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. The results of this prophecy were an outrage, of course, to Balak, and no doubt a shock to Balaam himself. Three times Balak tried to get a curse on Israel through Balaam. On each occasion, Balak took uh, Balaam to a different mountaintop as the place where cursing would become hopefully possible. Now, this is an important fact, and it is necessary that we understand its meaning especially now that we have a widespread pagan revival, the worship of Mother Earth, and a stress on a variety of means of gaining ecstatic power 
including nudity on the forests or mountains and so on. Just as lightning strikes high points, so do supernormal powers, or so it is held. I can remember as a boy there were various cults that met periodically at some high mountain, a high point in the Sierras, and pranced in the nude. And it was a, uh, a matter of a great deal of talk among all the farmers in the valley. But naturalism in every era of history has affirmed a continuity between all things. This means that whatever supernatural or supernormal powers exist that are by nature related to us, supposedly, and continuous with us in their being, can therefore be tapped. Unless we are physically handicapped, our minds control all aspects of our being. In the natural order, it is seen as necessary to make contact, whether by magic or science or ritual, with the powers of the universe. Continuity with them, when established, means power and control. Modern science is increasingly related to magic because its goal is control more than knowledge. By a change of location, Balak hoped for a better contact and a divination more agreeable to his purposes. Now, we all know that for some years the Soviet Union attempted to reach supernormal powers, telepathy and other things, and heavily subsidized men in this field. What we are less familiar with is that this kind of thing has been and is subsidized here in the United States. The author of Simulations of God is one such person. Then second, implicit in all this is the belief that ultimate power can and should reside with the apex of the human order, the high point. This idea has many results. One has been the divine right of kings or parliaments. Another, academic freedom from outside controls or laws. Still another, scientific immunity from moral controls, and so on. For all such believers, the idea of an uncontrollable power beyond man is anathema. Because of this, the modern state seeks to control every area of life and thought. Balak's premise and his ideas were the same as those of the modern state. The difference was that his expert in controls was Balaam, and both Balaam and Balak were in God's control, as are all men and things, both then and now. Then third, in verse 3, Balaam tells Balak, Stand by the burnt offering. In this, Balaam was faithful to God's requirements, however much he hoped to use God. 
When a man brought an animal sacrifice to God, he offered the animal as a substitute for himself, so that, in effect, he sacrificed himself to God. This was in faithfulness to Leviticus 17.11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your souls. The hope was that by pleasing God in this respect with the sacrifices, God would be pleased with Balak. At one time, of course, Louis XIV said a very famous remark, God seems to have forgotten all that I have done for him. It is not uncommon for men to think that by certain acts that they have placed God and man under obligation to them. If you insist on the priority of God and his law, they are resentful. They believe that both God and man can be placed under an obligation and their demands necessitated, both God and man necessitated. And the second of Balaam's three prophecies, the predictions are more devastating. According to verses 18 to 24, Rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord is God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift up themselves as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. Well, Balaam is now more prophetic than when he began. In this second prophecy, he begins with the declaration of the unchanging nature of God. As God declares centuries later to Malachi, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, Malachi, having received a commandment to bless whom God has blessed, Malachi cannot reverse God's ways and neither can Balaam. The next statement is a very important one for us. God, says Balaam, has not beheld iniquity nor perverseness in Israel. But God's word gives us a record of both things, a long history. Just as we, when we are in Christ, are judicially clean and guiltless before God, so too Israel stood in God's atonement, not in its personal and national sins. This meant that God was Israel's judge and redeemer, the great vindicator. Israel has, as it were, the strength of a unicorn, according to the authorized version, 
and the Hebrew word which the translators did not know the meaning of may mean a wild ox or a buffalo. Even more, Israel is protected because the king of kings will be born through the line of this nation. And prophetically, Balaam hears the shout of a king among them as of a triumphal procession. As a result, no human enchantment or divination is of any use nor anything man can do. What hath God wrought is Balaam's conclusion. Therefore, Israel shall now devour its enemies like a young and mighty lion. This leads us forth to another aspect of the change of places before each prophecy by Balaam. Some modern occultists believe that magnetic and other forces can be present at certain points thereby furthering their own powers. Men then and now have seen God or whatever supernatural powers may exist as a vast reservoir of potentialities and powers. They hope to catch another face or aspect of God, and so a different sight by Balaam and Balak was chosen each time. This was a belief in contradictory potentialities in God as in men. We are full of potentialities for all kinds of things, good and evil. Hence the old saying, there but for the grace of God go I. But potentiality and actuality are one in God. Van Til has often called attention to the implications of this fact. Balaam believed in God's existence and power, but he did not truly know him. Recently, I read a monograph by a very highly educated modernistic churchman who despised all orthodox belief. For him, God was like a great minefield full of various ores to be mined, a magnificent resource rather than the supreme person. And so it was all a matter of scientific and rational thinking how you could tap into the power. Then fifth, in the light of all this, let us look again at verse 5, and the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth. The essence of Balak's and Balaam's hope was to put a word in God's mouth. Just as pagan praying in the church is an attempt to twist God's arms by means of numbers. If we can only get enough people to pray about this, God will hear it. Or if we can get the right person, surely God will listen to his prayer. And so on and on. Putting words in God's mouth by having a means of twisting his arm. It is not the humble submission of our Lord in prayer. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God is not a resource, but our sovereign creator, our Lord. Balak's 
reaction was anger. Neither bless them at all or curse them at all. In other words, get out. Balaam tried to justify himself, told not I thee, saying all that the Lord speaketh that I must do. The words were right, but Balaam was not, and Balak saw this. As, he, as a result, he decided on another site, the top of Peor, as a place where hopefully an element in the Godhead could be tapped more favorable to him. Balaam was clearly willing to make a try by still hoping that somehow a different result would ensue and he would get a great reward. As a result, seven more altars were built and seven more rams and bullocks sacrificed. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for Thy word. Keep us from the folly of Balaam. Teach us to know thy word and to submit to thy will and to live in thy spirit, that we may grow in grace and in understanding and in Jesus Christ become more than conquerors. In his name we pray. Amen. Are there any questions now about our lesson? Yes. I was going to say one of the code words of the scientific community with respect to computers has been artificial intelligence. Yes. And I've recognized that uh, very became very clear when my oldest son was uh, taking computer science at University of California. I was struck by the fact that these kids virtually worship this giant computer they've got down there. And. Uh, the uh, instructors, in effect, became the high priests of this uh, entity, and they had slogans and signs all over the wall that indicated that there was a, a virtual worship. And I was really stunned by the depth of which the uh, instructors were infusing these kids' minds with the worship of this so-called artificial intelligence. It was very striking. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, you're so very right. And I read and heard from different persons of the hope that some of these computers would begin to think for themselves. And some science fiction, I am told, was written on that theme. Well, I told my son, I said, look, this is a tool like a hammer and saw. Yes. And I said, when you yank the plug out of the wall, it turns into an hurtful lot of junk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A very important point. Yes. When I was reading numbers uh, a month or so ago, I got a little confused. And in chapter 22... 2220 and 21 and 22 where God uh, came to Balaam at night and said unto him, Men 
will come to thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word, uh, the word which I shall say unto thee, thou shalt, thou shalt thou do, that thou shalt do. Mm-hmm. And Balaam did exactly what he was told. He rose up, he got his, on his ass and, and, and took off down the road, and God's wrath came down on him. Yes, because God knew what was in his heart. In other words, he was outwardly conforming to God. But in reality, he was trying to get around God's purposes. And as we go on, we'll see what finally results. When all the prophecies fail, he tries another course. He is determined to get his reward and to frustrate God somehow. Yes. And it's interesting that faith in science keeps improving despite all the difficulties we keep collecting as science advances. Yes. <laughs> they don't recognize a false god when they see one. They're blinded. And uh, it is amazing. Uh, the current Reader's Digest, for example, gives quite uh, a favorable uh, article on uh, Lovelock, I believe is his name, this English scientist who is a worshiper of Gaia, Mother Earth, and uh, operates not only in Britain, his headquarters, but has now uh, in a cathedral in New York offices out of which he operates uh, this Gaia cult. So somehow it is all valid, this cult of the mother goddess, because a scientist, among other scientists, but this one especially, is behind it. The article cites that there are some uh, men who are critical of him, but the article is basically favorable and has a picture of the man. It does not go into many of the absurdities and inanities that the Spiritual Counterfeits Project has uh, reported on in the works of this man. David Wallace passed away. The digest has been slowly drifting. They uh, they lost their rudder and it's reached the second and third generation, mm-hmm. which generally means, as it did with Time magazine, uh, that they become less coherent. Yes, I'm afraid that's very often true. Any other questions or comments? If not, let us conclude with prayer. Our Father, we give thanks unto thee for this thy word. We thank thee that thou hast created us to exercise dominion and to bring all things under the kingship and dominion of Jesus Christ. Bless us to this purpose. 
make us unafraid of the powers of darkness around us and give us grace in our difficulties to speak the word thou wouldst have us to say. And now go in peace, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Bless you and keep you, guide and protect you, this day and always. Amen.